Hi, Turner. How's it going? It's going great, Mishra. How are you? I'm good. Thank you for coming on the show. My pleasure. I've been following your fitness journey, if you want to call it that, on Instagram, and it's been truly inspiring to see, uh, well, first of all, the fact that you decided to publicize it and just to like show other people. I know, I know that takes a high amount of vulnerability on your part to be able to show people, uh, you know, this is like the struggle that I went through and this is like the end product. And then also I think that uh, that inspires like people around you. And I felt pretty inspired. I was like, oh, maybe I should get myself to the gym. <laughs> and like, maybe I should like look at what I'm eating and like get back into meal prepping. Cause I think over the past year, we all kind of got disheveled obviously because of the circumstances. And now we find ourselves where a lot of people are not at the best of their ability in terms of fitness. You know, so I want to congratulate you on that. And I just wanted to learn a bit more about it. Like, how did that start? So thank you for whatever you just said right now. Uh, it really means a lot to me. Uh, and I'm happy that it also inspired or impacted you in some way. How it started off was uh, last year throughout COVID. I was kind of in a very depressive state. I was, I think a lot of it had to do with like COVID blues. Um, I think a lot of people can relate to that. I was not really in a good mental state. I did not talk to a lot of my friends and family throughout that time. I guess it just like happened naturally. I don't know the particular cost, but I know some of it had to do with COVID. Mm -hmm. And so during that time, I realized that, you know, even though I was doing okay-ish at uh, university with my studies, I wasn't really happy with the way I was mentally and physically. So I guess what really like got me to like, you know, um, get your shit together, I guess, mm -hmm. was, um, you know, I took a hard look in the mirror one day and then I saw myself, I was like, you know, I'm not happy with the way I look right now. And even though like I was like in a state where like a lot of negative thoughts were coming to my mind and I was like, degrading myself in a way and hurting myself I realized that okay the only person who can actually change the way I look is myself and so I started looking through like um, a bunch of fitness models and influencers through Instagram and I realized um, one of my friends she's also a fitness um, uh, influencer um, she was also in a state the same as mine and she wasn't happy with the way she was physically. So in a way, um, I tried uh, grasping inspiration from those influencers. And I realized that these females were also in a place where I was, and I want to be where they are. So I like saved a bunch of these workout videos. And then I started off really simple with like, you know, trying to get out of bed and just like, walk at least like a 20 to 30 minute walk minimum. And just listen to, I don't know, like podcasts and music just to get myself in that state where, you know, I don't want to drain myself with studies and whatever depressive state I was in. And I slowly and slowly increased the pace of my walk to the point where I started jogging. And I kind of took advantage of COVID during that situation where I was focused on my mental and physical health. And so I increased the pace of my walks. Um, I started, even though gyms were closed, uh, I took that as an advantage because 
I'm not the kind of individual who likes working out at the gym quite often. I like working out at home because some of the materials, I guess, I don't like sharing because they're even though we mm-hmm. wipe them off, it's like that. And you know, I started working out at home and I got weights and that's how I pretty much started. Well, that's that's incredible because for a lot of us, I mean, I mean, from my own personal experiences, I've I've been on this what you'd call like a a yo-yo of of weight loss, where basically I started working out when I was uh, 15. And then I dropped like 30 pounds back then because, you know, I I, I learned what you learned, where it's like, if I want to change, it's up to me. If it's to be, it is up to me. Right. And I learned about personal accountability and recognizing all the ways that I can become more than what I am now, right? So there's this concept of just like, I know it sounds very cliche or, you know, it's been reiterated a lot of times in popular media or whatever, but the idea is that, you know, there's like this mirror and you're looking at yourself in the mirror and David Goggins actually talks about this in his book, uh, Can't Hurt Me, where he says like every single night he would just go up to his mirror and he called it the accountability mirror. And he would say like, you know, who am I looking at? Like reflecting on yourself almost, right? And saying like, okay, like, you know, he had posted notes or whatever, and he'd say like, I am going to do this. Right. And then he did, he went out and he, he like kept his word. He was accountable, right. To himself. And then he went out and he pursued whatever thing that he wanted to do. And he changed, right. I think he lost like 290 something pounds in three months. Like it was crazy. Yeah. I mean, but he's like, he's like another different monster (laughs) breed of person. The mental mm-hmm. game is very strong, but like even just the first step of just recognizing it, because sometimes when you're in the muck, you can't recognize that you're there because you're just being surrounded by maybe you're just in your echo chamber or maybe like it's difficult to take that perspective and look at yourself in in a way that is almost hurtful because it kind of destroys your ego where you're like, oh, this is who I am now. Like, Yeah, that's really interesting. So I think um, like congrats to you to be able to even figure that out, especially in a time like COVID, like I went the opposite direction. where i I was like perfectly fine or i was fit until march 2020 and then the gym shut down and i've been for me it was like and i've talked about this before about how the idea for me is like i told you i started working out when i was 15 and then it created like this gym community people that i was around while i was working out is what really motivated me and as an individual to be out and about and working out outside i literally did not have the motivation for that and then with fear that was lingering with the pandemic and I became very neurotic and we're still in the heat of it here in Alberta but um, (laughs) at that time I was so concerned with like health but ironically I did not work out or or I did not like exercise or like eat healthy because I was like just I was just ordering food because I was like I need comfort food I was very stressed out about the situation like I think what you what you said about surrounding with yourself like you surrounded yourself with your friend who was also into it like that's so important you know Mm -hmm, absolutely and I just want to say that um you know like I always hear this thing where like what motivated you to do this thing or what motivated you to like push yourself honestly at the end it comes down to discipline um and I and I learned that the hard way honestly um because if you're in a very depressive state and you're not happy with the way you look and I guess your body image and mentality and everything, it's really hard to put yourself in a like more healthy state, I would say, because it not only takes a lot of like mental, I mean, physical strength, it also takes like 
way more mental strength I would say because that's where like people keep asking me well, what motivates you what got you more disciplined because that's where the mentality I think lies um even if you start like um walking but your mentality is more of like um I want to go home and eat ramen and eat junk and stuff yeah. like that it's not really gonna do anything much to you <laughs> if your mentality is more like okay if I do 10 minutes of speed walking today I'll treat myself with I guess a one donut that's that's okay it's because like you're compromising with yourself so you have to bargain with yourself which is really Mm -hmm. interesting right because it almost implies that there's two like you say i have to be content with myself so who is i and who is Mm -hmm. the two distinct you know uh beings or are you the same person in classical psychological terms there's like the whole freudian idea of like the ego the superego and the id which is the animalistic component and this whole concept of like delayed gratification like if i do this today it will benefit me tomorrow it's such a hard concept to grasp especially when we are in this fast food like mcdonaldized world of i get whatever i want whenever i want it i want food i press a button food's at my door 25 minutes later i want music i want movies whatever you want it's it's where like whenever you want it you got it and it's almost like no effort like the things that we do now almost i mean not for everything obviously there's obviously things in life that require effort but uh at large we can find pleasurable things just at the you know touch of a button you know we can get that dopamine rush whenever we want it and then all of us are kind of in this constant communal dopamine depleted state right it's always seeking more and it's never enough and you know that kind of forms like your mental images of yourself or like that forms like your relationships with people Mm -hmm. you know with social media with anything it's just like it becomes a seeking behavior activity Mm -hmm. and uh, it's hard to just like look at yourself and be like okay like I I will do this I will work out and then I'll treat myself so there's like ways people can do it right and I think when you look at the entire picture as like oh, I got to lose 35 pounds, it becomes overwhelming because you're not going to lose 35 pounds like that unless you suck it up, (laughs) which I don't know if people should do, you know? Yeah, I don't know if you know of this, like, psychological um, uh, term, but it's like, have you heard of uh, the hedonic treadmill? Yes, I write about the hedonic treadmill a lot in my blog, yeah. That's something that, like, actually also motivated me to, like, start on my fitness journey. So I was listening to this one podcast um, last summer. Um, It's called Hidden Brain. I love yeah. that podcast. And um, so one of the podcasts was talking about the hedonic treadmill. And um, what that essentially means is that when you're in a state where you keep seeking for gratification or like anything pleasurable, um, you come to a point where you no longer like that. So in a way, you're kind of taking it for granted. And um, for instance, if I like a donut, I will enjoy it for that specific moment and then I'll stop liking it until I get really sick and tired of it. So yeah, there's at this the like end, adaptation that occurs that for all these like different events. Yeah, exactly. And so I was really unaware of the situation. And I think in the podcast, the person who was talking about the hedonic treadmill, they were also mentioning something about fitness and health and how people who are disciplined and try to remain balanced within their, I guess, dietary restriction and um, workout, they, in a way, feel grateful for the things they currently have, because they're not taking their body or health or food, any of that for granted. So Mm -hmm. I took that, I gripped onto that thought, and I was like, okay, um, 
into something that I should keep in the back of my mind. Something else that kind of worked with me, it's it's like the, the similar idea, like I read this book called The Power of Habit, and it's like how we form habits and how we form cravings. Like you're, you have like cues and your brain is like, okay, it's time to like, you know, take an action. I actually wrote my senior thesis on The Power of Habit. Oh, nice. Um, yeah, it was, it was fun. I had a fun time writing that. But basically, one of the main things that I took away from it, it's like, I always try to recognize now and be mindful of how I feel after I shove like a bag of chips down my throat, you know, like, how does that like that, that instant is amazing. It's euphoric and you love it because you're like, this tastes so good. But maybe like 10 minutes later, you feel disgusted with yourself. You're like, why did I just do that? Right? You eat like a greasy cheeseburger. You're like, this tastes so good. But mm-hmm. At the end of it, you're like, ah, oh, now I feel gross. And it's almost like, like you're saying, you know, the whole hedonic treadmill idea, we have evolved to kind of like hold or hoard on to like food or anything that's pleasurable. This whole pain and pleasure principle kind of precedes our own evolution to the point where, you know, back in the day, if you found something sweet, right, you want to eat as much of it as you as you can in that moment because you don't know when you're going to see it next right so if you see like a peach tree you're like oh like so there's like this almost biological predisposition towards like the cravings that we have towards food right so Mm -hmm. because back in the day your brain's like hey we're not going to get this again let's just (laughs) let's just talk up on it or whatever right but now in our world we can get whatever we want whenever we want it right Mm -hmm. so it's like now it's like discipline is supposed to be the mediator because you have to have that self-will to say no and make better choices for yourself but then having that insight is the most difficult part Mm -hmm. like I said um like I I have a lot of like female South Asian um people coming up to me and asking me um hey girl like where did you start how did you get yourself in that state And it's really nice because like, I also put that video that I made of my transformation out on TikTok. And that's when like a lot of like, people started reaching out to me and they're like asking me like females, especially these females are like within the age of like, uh, early 20s to like late 30s. And they've been like asking me like, um, can you give me some tips? Uh, How did you start? Uh, What motivated you? What uh, like, drove you in that direction I think the most common question that I've been receiving was like where did you start um how did you put yourself in that state and like the same thing that I kept replying with was like discipline <laughs> like just a one word mm-hmm. response yeah there's also ways to kind of like like that I found super useful and I've done this you know clearly it's not sustainable maybe but I've done this thing where it's like you know I've lost weight I've changed my body quite a few times over the past like nine eight nine years that I've been exercising Mm-hmm. And um, one of the biggest lessons that I've learned is like to remove uh, barriers as much as you can towards where you want to go. So like my rule was like, you know, I'm not even going to work out. I'm just going to go to the gym, see what happens. As soon as you're in the gym, you'd want to work out because you're just there. You're like, OK, I'm already here. I might as well work out. So it's like understanding the first steps towards the goal that you want. And then once you get there, you're like, okay, like it just leads on to more habits or like more actions that are related. So the whole idea about motivation, and I'm kind of bringing this back to the earlier part of this conversation where you're saying discipline is more important than motivation. And I absolutely agree because motivation is just an emotion and you feel it from time to time. It's not something that you can hold on to over a long period of time because there's times where you don't want to go to the gym, but you have to or you know it's better for you if you do right so 
Um, when I was a kid, I used to start every time I had an assignment and the assignment seemed really big. I used to take like, I used to write my name on the top right corner of the page, you know, and I used to write the date down on the top right corner of the page, I used to write the title. And then maybe I'll write a sentence and then I'll write two more sentences and it kind of builds on itself, right? Like these atomic habits kind of have a compound effect. And I've taken that principle and kind of applied that to the larger context of my health as well and, and mindfulness, spirituality, uh, social life. You know, it's just like, it's really cool that we get to, we have the opportunities to improve ourselves. And it's almost like a video game that you're playing, but you're the main character. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Um, and going back to what you were saying about like the huge difference between discipline and motivation. Honestly, like motivation is the way I see it is it's more of the fuel itself. Mm-hmm. It's what ignites you to like be in that direction of, I guess, your fitness journey. And what motivated me is seeing myself being in that you know depressive state and seeing that I don't I don't want to be like this for the rest of my life I need to change myself for my own health and mental state and once you're in that discipline discipline um thought of mind every day feels like you know it's I don't know the proper term or what to call it but like you're doing the same thing over and over again but you know it's beneficial for you and it becomes like your daily habit, honestly. And when I, when I noticed that, okay, um, maybe I'm a little too hard on myself with um, this workout or I'm being too crucial with um, having too many veggies, but not enough, you know, junk food on the side from time to time to, you know, reward myself. I should kind of like change it up a little. And change is, change is very necessary in your diet as well. You can't just like keep sticking to one thing over and over again. I think once in a while for anything, like I've always had this rule in my undergrad where I wouldn't work on Sundays. I really just took like Sundays were like my untouchable days where I just kind of stay low key. I just take time to just recuperate for the upcoming week, get my chakras aligned or whatever, and (laughs) become more mindful of the upcoming week. So I just prep. So I'll, I'll prep food on Sunday. I'll make sure laundry's done on Sunday. I'll make sure like the work that I need to do like my schoolwork is aligned for the next week so I'm like setting my future self up for success and these tiny you know habits or actions that you take to set your future self up for success kind of over time you won't even recognize it but it will help you out like sleep your sleep habits how do you talk to yourself right uh, there was a time in my life where and I, it still exists where I'm very critical of my own uh, existence you know Mm-hmm. Where, where it's like, okay, um, you know, there's people that harm themselves, right? Like physically harm themselves. But then I realized like when you're talking badly about yourself or you're talking about yourself in like a negative manner, you are also performing a certain type of self-harm. Whether it's physically being, being you know, manifested or not, doesn't matter, doesn't matter like in the sense that it's, it still impacts you, right? So even negative habits, you can kind of, analyze through that lens and be like oh like maybe you know make sure that the tap is like like the faucet's like not leaking or whatever you know because over time water's gonna well up Mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and I do have times where I'm a little too hard on myself when it comes to um, whatever I eat how do you mediate that how do I mediate that Mm -hmm. so basically in the morning I start off with a green smoothie and it's disgusting but I know it's good (laughs) for my health um And later on, I go into like specifically structuring, making sure it's like 
I have this much of veggies and 50% of it is like carbs or like protein and whatever. And I become very picky nowadays with whatever I have on my plate. Because mm-hmm. like, because you're at a state where you've maintained your health and you are kind of disciplined, you tend to be on a negative, um, on the negative side where you're too hard on yourself. You're just very cautious of your body image, but you also got to realize that you're also growing up, you're aging, your body will fluctuate regardless of whether you're eating healthy or not. Um, that was very a huge shock. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But yeah, I think, um, well, I was going to ask, actually, has your relationship with food changed at all? My relationship with food? Oh, yes, absolutely. So there was a time in ninth grade um, where um, in the middle of the night, I used to have like four or six breads of Nutella all wow. in one together on a, on a plate. I know on a that plate. Sounds, that sounds because... a lot of, like a lot of fun, though. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the thing was, my metabolism was not that cooperative with me even though I know like within that age frame um your metabolism is quite high but with me it wasn't like that and um yeah I remember like after finishing a project or if I was super hungry in the middle of the night I would grab like six uh breads filled with a huge chunk of Nutella and just take that to my room and Uh there were times when like I would just eat like junk food nonstop because Um, I just needed that pleasure, that gratification. And even though I didn't like feel like shit afterwards, even though like that's something that a lot of people feel, I didn't feel that at all because during that time, I was just a kid. I was just like taking full advantage of uh, whatever food I was um, consuming. Mm -hmm. And then nowadays it came to a point where it's like, I can't really eat that same Nutella on bread because I know it will affect my body. So it's like, I have this food that's very unhealthy but will give me so much pleasure I know what the end result will be so but can I you like take... bargain with yourself where you allow yourself to have like for me now my current routine I allow myself to have one meal from outside on on like Saturdays I'll, I'll order like a burger or something and I feel great eating it because it I savor the taste I take my time eating it and I'm like okay I'm gonna remember this for the next week until i can eat it again Mm -hmm. so i do this thing where whenever um i go outside with my friends my friends are also aware that i'm kind of picky with my food and they're aware of like my diet and so when i know that my friends are um consuming a lot of junk food and ordering which they should and they i would too because we're outside we're having fun um what I tend to do is if I see they have a meal of like chicken wings and like um, other junk food on top, I would do this thing where I would ask them, can I just sniff that? <laughs> <laughs> can I just like sniff that a little so that, just you know, I'll remember. draft in. <laughs> yeah, I'm not going to have that, but can I just like sniff it so that, you know, I'll remember its essence when I get back home. Yeah. So yeah, I do that sometimes. <laughs> for me it's always like towing the the fine line between the completely orderliness and then the complete chaos that that occurs in life and different aspects of our life i do have this personality trait where i know that i'm always looking out for mondays because i'm like i'm gonna change my life on a monday you know like i'm gonna stop eating junk food i'm gonna clean up my diet i'm just gonna wait until monday but until monday we can order 
you can order some Uber Eats, get some tacos in here, whatever, you know, watch some Netflix, binge and end this show. Might as well, right? Like binge a few more episodes. Just like do things that don't really necessarily benefit my existence, but just prolong the start of a better me because in my head, I have this constructed idea of when, like a timeline of when it needs to start and how I can do it. But when we create these mental barriers, these cognitive barriers towards our, our experiences, oftentimes like once Monday hits, you're going to get lazy again and you're going to be like, all right, let me, let me hit it up on Tuesday or whatever. And within our working world and our society, I see this a lot when I worked at a clinic where our, my conversation with the patients would most often be like, I'm so glad it's Friday or like, <laughs> like, oh, it's Monday. Like people want only live for two days of the week, apparently, you know, which is very sad to think about, but it's the same concept of like, just delaying the start to the rest of your life or delaying the start to like the person, you know, you can become, but there's like always internal resistance towards the work that needs to be done. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I agree with you on that point. Mm-hmm. And it's also like, I don't know. I, I just find anytime I see people, like I've seen my brother go through this, like he lost a lot of weight and he got jacked. And I saw, I saw myself going through this. I saw a lot of my friends, like when I was in Danforth, uh, one of my best friends, a beer, he, to this day, is still one of my best friends. And, you know, we've been, we've been friends for probably 13 years now. And, um, just more than half my life uh, <laughs> but basically like you know we we came out of the same area we also had a lot of um like we always pushed each other to the best of our abilities and I'm I'm forever grateful for him because during that time it was like friendly competition but it was also where I started building up my habits my study habits my fitness habits like he was my fitness partner in gym class or fitness class uh at Danforth and I was very grateful for that because we just kept pushing each other and like it like the results showed by the by the end of the year right and so like surrounding yourself with people uh that inspire you and that also you also get to inspire like it's a reciprocal interaction right Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it's like I have so many of those types of people in my life that I'm extremely grateful you know Mm -hmm. yeah so do I and like I said um when I was in that state where I didn't really quite talk to anyone. I was just very reserved and very introverted. There were times when I would also ignore messages from my friends who were trying to reach out to me and ask me, hey, how's it going? How have you been? Um, this is like the COVID time that you talked yes. about earlier. Okay. Yes. And I remember um, during that time, whenever I spoke to my friends about, you know, I'm not happy with where I am right now. I'm not happy with the way I look. They were very motivating as well. They, they didn't immediately give me advice. They started off with questioning me because I'm the kind of a person who likes to rant a lot. And I like having listeners who like genuinely want to know, okay, what's the problem? Let it out. Not jump straight to, okay, you're going to do one, two, three and give me like solid advice when all I really want is a listener who will understand me. And I'm very grateful that my friends are like that. And they helped me so much with um, having a positive mentality because I am very pessimistic. I think about a lot of negative situations. And if it weren't for them, I wouldn't be where I am right now. Is that like overwhelming to the point where, well, I've had situations that I don't know, I'm not, I'm not diagnosed, uh, clinically diagnosed with anxiety or whatever, but I've had situations where uh, there's thinking patterns that are clearly 
unnecessary or over the top where I know that this is not a situation that, that can, I mean, it's, it's possible, but it's not probable, right? So there's times where I will, uh, I end up overthinking situations that it actually is, uh, is, is to a fault, you know? How do you fare on that scale? So even though, like I said before, like I'm a huge pessimist, pessimist sometimes, whenever I'm brought with a situation where, you know, this could either go way worse than it was before, or it can possibly go better, but that depends on your action. I always try to weigh out the pros and cons of every situation. And so if it comes to something like dieting, for instance, I always remind myself that I can either go through the uh, rabbit hole of feeling shit about myself having this donut, or I could have this, I guess, broccoli and then feel shit, but still know that will impact my body in a positive way. So mm. I always try to remain optimistic, but I know that somewhere in the negativity, it gives me a sense of um, comfort because I know that like I have this plan a plan b kind of mentality and usually people who go with plan b like they have that kind of mentality they're kind of like prone to be in a very negative mindset I would say because they know that if this if one thing doesn't work then they can always depend on something else and I like to like kind of put my oh, what, do you, what do you mean by like plan a plan b like you have a you have a plan a for your life and then a plan b for your life and then you assume that plan a is not going to work out mm-hmm. yeah okay. I have that kind of mentality um, and obviously it's a way to help uh, protect myself and whoever is around me um, I always have this like backup sort of um, thing in the back of my mind mm. so, yeah I mean, life rarely turns out the way you plan it, right? There's always like bumps and obstacles. And as I'm getting older, I'm running into a lot more of these, you know, like, so it's hard to make sense of the world and then understand, like realize like when you have to, when you have to say no and when you have to like, like knowing when to stop basically, right? And then understanding when, like if one path gets blocked off, how do you then maneuver and then move on to the next path, right? And Mm -hmm we're oftentimes like our brains can like our brains or whatever the way we think it convinces us that once one one way is over then you know once one path is blocked then that's the end of the story like it's we become very reductionist in the way that we view ourselves and our end right Mm -hmm. and it's always like interesting to see like if you ever think back to when you started work like exercising and taking your fitness seriously and your health seriously and then where you are now the person back then did you know like where you're going to go probably not right like you had an idea yeah I had no idea I would be I would be where I am right now I only had a vision and I just went with that because like um I remember when I started off I was feeling very um bad about the way I looked and I wasn't happy at all but going back to what you were mentioning I did not have any thought that I would end up being or looking the way I am right now. If there's anything I took away from that, it's that along with losing weight, you also tend to change your mentality. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. And that helps so much. I think um, I always said that uh, how someone presents themselves, and this is what we're kind of learning now in 
in uh, occupational therapy school and the mental health aspect of it. It's just uh, the way someone presents themselves, it's often a reflection of how they're thinking or how they're feeling. And you, I have recognized that in myself too, like, you know, in my darkest, most depressive bouts of, of you know, uh, mental illness, it was, or, you know, whenever I had these obstacles, I remember there were days where I didn't like brush my teeth or I wouldn't get out of bed or like getting out of bed was the most difficult part or very quaint uh, things that you wouldn't even consider to be difficult. I found difficult, right? Like there were clothes all over my floor. My room was a mess. Hair was a mess. I probably smelled really bad, (laughs) you know, but uh, like we get into these patterns and we become like kind of blinded by where we are and and so we don't notice what's wrong with us and then we kind of present that on on the external so you, like even when you for example if you hang out with someone who's very pessimistic and not to like single you out or <laughs> it's okay <laughs> <laughs> like there, there's I think I would maybe consider you more cynical than pessimistic because I think a pessimistic mm-hmm. person would have probably just thrown everything down the rabbit hole of nihilism and not worry about at all about their health so maybe it's it's more the, the cynic in you or like the more skeptic uh version of you um but basically if you're around someone who's very negative you can feel it like you can you're like oh you hang out you hang around this person for a certain amount of time and you feel like your vision or the way you perceive the world your lens has been kind of tainted right Mm -hmm. so i think that directly relates back to like how we perceive things and how also we express ourselves Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I was telling to um, one of my girls who reached out to me regarding um, uh, tips on losing weight. Um, I told her that, uh, you know, I noticed that you are not happy with the way you look right now. And I can only assure you one thing, and it's that if you don't give yourself the same love and respect that you give others, then that will immediately reflect off and that will be shown to certain people. Mm-hmm. And you really need to, like, learn to take care of yourself and love yourself the same way um because when you're going through this fitness um journey i was at a state where i like pretty much hated myself i hated the way i looked i hated the way i thought even though i continue to think very negatively um i kept telling myself like you know nothing's going to change if i just keep being the way i am i'm just going to be in the same rut over and over again and i'm not going to get myself out of it and the only person who's going to like change all this is me and it starts with my brain so yeah nothing's going to change that's such a that's such a funny statement too right like even if yeah we take a step back everything changes there's entropy occurring all the time and we are constantly in a in a state of change right yeah mm-hmm. even though visually it might not seem that way like you don't get to where you are on just you know a single second or a day or whatever it everything takes time and the things that take time probably are the things that are most valued, right? Um, Absolutely. If we look at, now I've been playing music for 12 years now, right? And I picked it up. Oh. I never took lessons, I just picked it up. Like I just had a random keyboard that my cousin used to play back mm-hmm. when we lived in, in Diesel. Mm-hmm. And um, I picked it up and like it was, it was something that I wanted to do. But then it was also a very difficult thing to do. And now 12 years later, I'm like self-taught and I've stuck with it. And it's mm-hmm. caused me like that was a 
a good starting point for me at the age of like 11 as a baseline to recognize that I can do anything that I want to do as long as I can stick with it and stick with it in the long run. So now I'm 20, almost 24. So I'll be, um, and I want to keep doing this until I'm dead, basically, (laughs) right? So it's just like having that self-efficacy in the beginning of like, it will change, you know, like if you look at rocks and, you know, like a tide that hits a rock over time, like the sedimentary rocks that we learned about back in geography, Mm -hmm. you know? (laughs) Yeah, like it it shaves off, right, over time. And all it takes is patience and effort. Yeah, absolutely. And I also want to add something else onto that. Um, It also takes a lot of resilience because, for instance, throughout COVID, like the gyms were shut off. Um, What do we do? Where do we work out? We can't go anywhere. So Mm -hmm. people started relying on working out at home, um, buying weights from Amazon and like sticking to that. Um, People scalping weights. Yeah, people using their, (laughs) I guess, roommates or siblings as weights. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, I saw videos on that too. Um, So we have to be like, human beings are meant to be resilient. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's also something I took away from my journey. And effort feels so good. Like effort mm-hmm. feels like like when when you feel accomplished and you go to bed, you're like, okay, there were two possible scenarios that could have happened today. A, I could have like I I could have gone to the gym or I didn't go to the gym. Like these are the two situations, right? And if you chose such like you know option, which one was it? Like the one where you go to the gym, then uh, when you go to bed at night, even though maybe it wasn't that big of a decision, you feel good about yourself, like. For me, like even sometimes I'll go to the gym and I'll do nothing. I'll just take a couple steps on the stairmaster or whatever, you know, or like, but it's the fact that I went there and I took the effort to be there. That's like half the battle, mm-hmm. you know, because once you're there, you're, you're bound to do something. You're not going to just go to the gym and come back home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And mm-hmm. going, talking back on that, um, whenever I used to like go to the gym, um, I always had this, initially I had this mentality where it's like, I see so many people who are very fit. Um, they look like they are very confident. Um, I can't see myself standing beside them because I look like shit. <laughs> and um, I was very like intimidated by that. And I wouldn't like go to the gym that often. But gradually I realized that, you know, these people, they went through their own journeys. They were probably at a state where I was and they're only minding their own business. <laughs> Um, yeah like compare yourself to who yeah. you were yesterday and not someone else today right like if yeah you, exactly you can't compare like if you're working on a project and you're like yeah i'm gonna be the next elon musk like, that's not a good <laughs> good good like metric to compare yourself to because then you just go down on yourself right because what we do is like we punch down sorry we punch up like we see we see people that are better than us and we're like oh i wish i was this person but then there's like a billion people that would give their lives to be you Mm-hmm. yeah know, so absolutely. we forget about yeah. that mm-hmm. yeah plus during that time I realized that you know um, I'm also wasting my time if I just like go in and come out I'm paying for this membership anyway yeah. so might as well put it to good use and the whole idea of like social media too I find like some it can it's like a double-edged sword right obviously it's beneficial like you get to connect with people and you get to create and you get, like this podcast will probably go up there mm-hmm. but uh one of the biggest drawbacks that i've noticed over the past uh, few years is just that this unconscious bias that you have towards comparing yourself to other people while you're scrolling right so and the version of themselves that they're putting out into the world isn't even 
well sometimes isn't even like the accurate version like i'm like how is everybody so attractive on instagram Mm -hmm. you know and it's like we've figured out these lenses and these these filters and we figured out like how to look sexy right and but then when you're constantly being bombarded with these images like your conception of what reality is becomes that right and Mm -hmm. that can be a bad place to to like come from because then you're going to look at yourself in the mirror which is probably a a better perception of what normalcy looks like and then you're going to compare yourself to the highlights of other people yeah absolutely and I try my very best to avoid that and um, go for more genuine profiles or influencers Um, because I like seeing influencers who actually show you where they started off um, and they transition into how they are looking like right now and like I said um, in the beginning um, a lot of my uh, motivation comes from female fitness influencers and that's what I really enjoy the most Mm -hmm. it's important to like draw that distinction between like what reality is and like what your perception of reality is because i mean it's obviously almost impossible to do so because you know the way you perceive the world is your reality right so some people they'll be very negative about the world and they think oh all women are bad or all men are bad or whatever right and they colored the world in these like binary you know sentences and that's just how they're perceiving the world and they project that out into the world as well mm-hmm. um and i think when us as individuals like it's almost a responsibility or an obligation to be able to take a step back and recognize which aspects of our lives are we are we like putting out to the world like I always tell people like uh, my Instagram I'm just a catfish like I'm just it's just like it's <laughs> yeah I've got some good angles in there I got some good lighting in there uh the life that I'm portraying like I do this thing where I document the second of my the day and I've been doing it for the past five years and I'm like that's literally the best second of my day and <laughs> so it's not like I'm ha- I have an ex- exciting life it's just like I'm portraying uh an exciting life to the world I'm, I'm binding this narrative with my work and I, I I treat it as if it's art but it's separate from the artist which is me right so mm-hmm. uh I try as well to be as vulnerable and and honest about it but then I also get caught in the the treadmill of like getting likes and you know that feels so good like you just keep swiping down and the likes are increasing and you're like damn they get you like they know how your how your uh psychology works mm-hmm. you know it's like a slot machine and you just keep seeking keep seeking and um i was off of it for a couple of months there just because i or at least a month i don't know if it was a couple of months i don't want to lie on the podcast <laughs> <laughs> but it's just like i know and i, I wonder how it's going to affect kids as well you know, not the, the, the generation that's growing up on these social media apps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I agree with you. Because, um, like, I have a, a four-year-old cousin who's very, like, technically inclined. Um, and whenever I go see him, he's always drawn to my phone. Not even me. Like, that's embarrassing. <laughs> but, yeah, he's always drawn to my phone. And he's always like, uh, do you have Instagram? Like, mind you it's a four-year-old how does a four-year-old how does know he even what know what instagram is? is yeah exactly like um like hey uh do you have instagram <laughs> like uh no how do you know what that is um but yeah and then four years old four years old yes i i don't know how he was literally um, born in like 2017 yeah damn <laughs> 
um yeah and then just to try out those like filters and like um look at pictures and i was like no i'm not mm, no it's fun like i used to do it with my brother where like on snapchat you'd have the fun mm-hmm. like the face swap and he'd be like giggling the whole time or laughing playing with those filters is one thing but like making it a habit for them to the point where they depend on those filters to remain happy like i know it's jokes and stuff but like mm-hmm. when it comes to a point where they're like okay i want to keep playing with that filter non-stop and see myself like that then that's where it goes down like a rabbit hole i would say one thing i did notice though when i didn't have social media on my phone it's like i looked at myself less like i was less concerned with i looked at myself in the mirror in the morning obviously when i was brushing my teeth i was like oh i'm still here like, that's cool <laughs> and then <laughs> i like I, I know that whenever i'm on uh snapchat because the camera thing opens up right away and then you just look at yourself and you're like okay like i'm gonna put my camera lens up here so i look better or whatever like you're constantly in that zone where like if you don't have any pressure on yourself to look a certain type of way because the camera isn't even a good representation of how you look you know you can mess around with the aperture or like whatever and i don't even really know camera lingo but you can definitely change how someone looks you know mm-hmm. um so because of that i think I think even now, like with my parents, it's kind of funny, like, you know, how like the stereotypical thing is like, get off your phone. That's the way your, yeah. your parents are telling you. But then mm-hmm. I feel like my parents are addicted to their phones, too. Like I see them on Facebook or, or YouTube or whatever all the time, just scrolling mindlessly. And it's kind of hilarious. Like I took this picture of my mom and my dad sitting on the couch and they're both on their phones. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the same applies with like my mom, who's like, she's very like, um she's not quite addicted to Facebook itself she's she's addicted to like how many likes she has received on this specific post Mm -hmm. um and I kind of blame myself for it because I like introduced her to a lot of like stuff on Facebook like how the like button works and like uh how to block someone and those kind of features and I'm sure she would have found out by herself though (laughs) (laughs) yeah she would have yes I agree um but the thing is that I always remind her you know like um you know this doesn't define who you are you're more than that <laughs> and it's like the whole brown community aspect of like what are people gonna say and it's like it's like magnified to a, a thousand mm-hmm. with like social media yeah yeah and i also think with the whole concept of like your body image right and how it relates to other people i think now like 15 year olds are way more jacked than like when i was 15 nobody looked like that or maybe a select few number of people look like that but then i'm like going through a setup called the tiktok and Mm -hmm. i'm just like swiping down i'm basically a grandpa but i'm (laughs) I'm going through this and it like it draws you in it's like a dream that you're like stepping into and then before you know it a couple hours pass and you're like what the heck am i doing with my life like why did i just drain myself and then you just want more i've deleted that, that app like eight times Wow. And then every time I'm like, well, let's just uh, let's just get it back for for like uh, for fun. <laughs> I or do whatever. this thing on TikTok yeah. where um, I know it's very addicting. I understand that, um, and I purposely put myself in the tech side of TikTok or the lifestyle and workout videos kind of um, aspect. Because I know like when you're on TikTok, they obviously like survey you and ask you what are your interests are. And then from there on, they show you like a bunch of videos based on what they notice that you like or share the most, right? And but they get all that data from the, yes, from the app. They get from like like different apps, obviously. Yeah. And 
And so I purposely made sure that I am stuck to the tech side, uh, the job side and the whole lifestyle and um, getting yourself, your shit together and all that kind of stuff. So that I know when I'm scrolling down and I see someone talking about, like I see a woman like getting her shit together with like her workout and like her smoothie in the morning and stuff like that. I'm just like, you know what? I'm doing that right now. Right, right. So you're using it as a tool to like- Yeah, I'm using that as my strength. Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. When I'm on it, I'm just like, oh, I just got 20 minutes to kill. Let me just lie down instead of reading a book or, you know, thinking about. I mean, that's also a whole nother trap that we can talk about. Like, yeah, once you get into, like, you know, the, the old saying, like, you'll never be as big as you want to be, or you'll never be as jacked as you want to be, or as fit as you want to be. It's because, like, it's a never ending pursuit. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes you kind of get stuck into that mold. And then you're like, I, I, there was a point where I was, I was obsessed with productivity and I'm like, what's like the best method to like study? What's like the best method to sleep? What's the best method to optimize my life? And you're like, maybe sometimes it's best to just chill, like sit back and like enjoy. <laughs> I agree. You know? Yeah. You can really like drain yourself and it's, you gotta like remain balanced sometimes. You gotta reward yourself and also like be productive. Well, I, I noticed that on Instagram, you also create like, I mean, you have a separate page where you're like, analyzing movies or whatever what's it called it's called centrovert so basically um the etymology behind that is cinema and introvert so Mm -hmm. the cine part is sin and the introvert part is just trovert and so i put those together and that's how i came up with the name and and what prompted you to like start this or explain to the audience what it is and like where they can find it and and like what why did you start this i guess so Cintrovert, um, it's spelled C-I-N-E and Trivert as an introvert. Um, it's on Instagram. And what it essentially is, is um, it started off as a movie page where I write down my thoughts on a particular um, series I probably watched on Netflix or a movie that I probably resonated with or um, something like that I saw like on TV. And it's a funny story, actually. So last year when I was going through um, my depressive state, um, I sent a friend of mine long paragraphs of how I was feeling and how I was like very um, not in a good state. And turns out I wrote very eloquently, apparently, according mm-hmm. to her. And she told me, like, Turna, you write amazing. Like, you write very well. Um, I know you're ranting to me and I shouldn't be interrupting you and being and I should be a good friend and listening to you but I really think she started a blog <laughs> and, <laughs> and then I'm there bawling I'm there bawling just like oh my gosh she's such a horrible friend she's telling she's me she's like telling me to monetize this <laughs> <laughs> exactly like I'm there I just want someone to listen to me just just hear me out understand me yeah. um con- like for me to confide in but you know what she wasn't wrong <laughs> So, no, yeah. I mean, I've checked out, I mean, like the editing and stuff is really cool too. And I don't know mm-hmm. how to edit anything at all. So for me, it's like, wow, um, my, my editing days are like Windows Movie Maker back, back <laughs> in the day. I, th- I found it really interesting. Like sometimes, cause I, I read a lot and now I used to write like book reviews on Goodreads, right? Like I'll, I'll whole, write a whole paragraph on like a book that I read and how it impacted me or what the main themes that I thought were. Because I believe writing is probably the most fundamental way you can bring thoughts into reality and makes things more organized and you're not jumbled up all the time with your thoughts and feelings it's in that's why i journal that's why i advocate for journaling 
all the time because I feel like you need to get out of your head and into the world, right? And the more words you have, and this is something that I learned from, you know, obviously improving my uh, vocal or my, my lexical access, as you would call it, or, you know, my vocabulary, where, and it came from reading books, uh, that, well, a huge diversity of books, but also listening to podcasts and audiobooks and, and whatnot, mm-hmm. right? And I found that the more words you have, the more precise you can be with your speech. And therefore, you can be powerful with your speech, but also articulate with how you're feeling. That's very important. Mm-hmm. I agree. And I remember, like, when my friend was telling me, like, you write so well, start your blog. It doesn't really come down to my grammars or like punctuation or any of that. It comes down to the way I artic- articulated my feelings mm-hmm. to her. And that's what made her realize that, okay, she writes very well. You, you need to write this, like monetize this, as you said. So do you have like a separate blog or is it just the Instagram page? So I have another blog too. It's on Medium. Plug it. <laughs> it's on Medium, yeah. Um, it's the same name as well, Centrovert. Uh, but the thing is that... Um, I usually like use Instagram as a tool for me to visually represent it, whereas Medium is obviously um, still pictures and just writings. And this um, started like a year and a half ago? or This started back in early February of okay. 2021. Yeah. Okay. 2020 or 2021? 2021. So this year. This year. Okay. So this is yeah. fairly recent. Yeah, exactly. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I find it fascinating. Like I'm always fascinated by, I'm intrigued and curious about like, like art or like producing something creating something that's why I have this podcast that's why I have like the blog I've been writing this blog uh, with the same name like that the blog precedes the podcast but I started that in 2015 where like it was my first year of university and undergrad and that was I was not where I wanted to be and I found that by writing these articles I was able to create the narrative I guess and also kind of objectively look at things and share my own insights whether it's philosophical or whether it's about like mental well-being or self-development or you know just even you know uh being better version of yourself or whatever right and I found that through my writing it actually started resonating with people and this was six years ago now and I've kept going I mean I'm not that um I'm not super consistent on that platform but i'm going to try to be more um like i probably push out like two or three publications a year maybe mm-hmm. which isn't a lot but it takes time to like formulate ideas and then you know get through with like a quality like piece you mm-hmm. know there's a couple that i'm so proud of that I put it up on my linkedin page <laughs> <laughs> yeah that's great um and yeah like going back to what you just mentioned about like art- letting your words flow and articulating yourself like, I, I think the page that I currently have, like, Centrover, I use movies as a disguise to um, represent the way I feel. So if I'm feeling, like, for instance, uh, angry about a situation, I will watch something that perhaps relates to the way I feel so that, um, you know, that movie aspect is there. Um, sometimes use that as a, as a disguise to, like, hide the way I'm feeling. And sometimes I actually and genuinely watch a movie or a series and talk more about the feelings and emotions behind that as well i think it's super interesting how um i do the same thing too like where there are certain movies that i re-watch or i watch with fresh eyes and i recognize themes in it and i know 
know, we don't have to be super nerdy about it. Or <laughs> I, I am a nerd. I have, like I look at everything through that lens. But it it's like in in recognizing how movies can make you feel is such a powerful tool. And I know some people treat it as if it's just entertainment, like you're watching something for the sake of watching something. But then when you watch something like, for example, whenever I watch like a the Dark Knight Rises trilogy, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. The Dark Knight trilogy. There's like scenes from the movie that I constantly keep replaying in my head. And I only watched it recently. Like I rewatched it. I watched it when it came out in 2008 when I was a little kid. I didn't understand anything. I was a like, cool Batman. But, <laughs> but um, there are a few scenes in that movie and there's like the dialogue where like there's one scene that I distinctly remember where like in the beginning of, I think it's Batman Begins where the younger, uh, or no, yeah, like Christian Bale is like getting his ass kicked and he's like all messed up. And then Alfred comes up to him and he asks him, uh, why do we fall? Mm-hmm. You know, he's like, Master Wayne, why do we fall? And then Bruce Wayne says, uh, you know, so we, and then Bruce Wayne doesn't say anything, right? And he, he, I think he says like, why do we fall? And then Alfred says, so we can uh, learn to get back up or something like that. And it's like, oh, like the goosebumps, right? Whenever, whenever I, I hear that, and there's also like scenes like in the third movie where I think it's that that one's like Dark Knight, Dark Knight Rises where he's in that little prison cell thing and then like he goes on, he's trying to climb that wall, he's trying to scale this wall and the first time he scales it he falls and he breaks like his bones or whatever and then he gets back up and tries it a second time and he falls and he has like a harness, right? The third time he's taking this leap of faith and he leaves the harness behind. He's like, he puts all his eggs in, in this one basket and he jumps forward. And he grabs onto the wall. And, you know, I think, I mean, spoiler alert, so, sorry if you've seen, <laughs> no one's seen Dark Knight Rises. It's been out for like 10 yeah. years. You, know? you should probably mm-hmm. go watch it. But uh, I remember that scene and then that scene invoking so many emotions and feelings within me, right? And maybe it's, it's a sign of age or maybe it's a sign of maturity, but I view films through this lens that really benefits me in terms of, un- in terms of like using film as a medium to understand my own philosophies in life mm-hmm. yeah yeah there were, I think for me it would be like the before trilogy um that's a movie that I always keep talking about with my friends or anyone because like was that the bef- um, before sunrise before midnight? yes <laughs> yes before sunset before midnight yeah okay. um amazing 10 out of 10 would recommend it and I will never stop talking about it I literally um, have I have like a stars subscription just for that trilogy like, yeah I, I remember you telling me yeah <laughs> I was like wow what a nerd <laughs> yeah um yeah that's one of the, one of the top films that resonate with me the most it's really uh something to I don't know I think as when I was like when I was younger I still not like books or I like cartoons obviously and I watch movies for entertainment but like now when I view films I'm like so appreciative of like how it was how it was made how the the dialogue is or you know the writing is you know and the amount of effort that it takes like I really appreciate it a lot the music the soundtrack you know mm-hmm. all of it plays in this synesthesia of like of like joy and like intense feeling right mm-hmm. yeah like as a kid obviously you wouldn't understand like um the writing or dialogues or what exactly the director is trying to imply but when you look back at it like as a grown-up you realize oh my god I can't believe um I was like I saw this from a very innocent lens 
Mm-hmm. And now that I kind of matured a little, um, I see this something that really impacted me. So yeah, I see that from time to time as well, which is why I like to reflect on, you know, the early 2000s films the most. Are there any films in particular that you feel like has had like, like if I were to ask you, and this might be a loaded question. Yeah. If I were to ask you what three films, I mean, except for the before series, let's just, <laughs> <laughs> we've already discussed that. Yeah. Excluding those three films, or maybe you can include it too, but like what three films do you think has had the most impact on your life in terms of the person that you are today? Ooh, that's a really good question. Um, so three films that really impact me in my life. Um, I'll start off with a Bollywood film. One film that resonated with me the most um, during my childhood was Kabi Kushi Kabi Gum. And a lot of, um, I would say, South Asian Western kids would relate to that the most because we grew up in the sense that we weren't really inclined towards our heritage or where we came from. And everything within that film kind of like helped me realize that, oh, I don't know anything much about my religion or my folks. Um, even mm. though this is very highly commercialized, <laughs> one of the most commercialized films in the industry. Um, and it's make-believe, obviously. <laughs> um, highly romanticized as well and melodramatic. But during that time, there was a huge boom in um, uh, the film industry in the early 2000s because a lot of South Asian folks were like immigrating and moving to new countries. And during that time, that's one of the films that resonated with a lot of Western societies and NRIs or, um, like I said, South Asian folks. Another film that resonated with me throughout my upbringing, I would say, was Girlfriends. Now, Girlfriends is a very uncommon series. It's a Black sitcom with four independent Black women. Now, this was also throughout the 2000s. I was, it was more inclined towards a very mature audience, but I would say I started watching that when I was like in my middle school. And um, it felt really empowering because you have like these four Black women who are like best friends living together and they're just going about with their dating life and their um, growth and women in the 30s. And it's strange because like, why would a 12-year-old kid watch something like that? I mean, it probably like resonated with you, right? Like I think we see characters that represent us in some way or shape or form, right? So so that probably was it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. I agree. It's just seeing like these like women so powerful and just like independent. And that way made, made me realize that, okay, I want to be something like that. Um, I want to have that sort of confidence. I want to have that aura within me. And yeah. And lastly, um, uh, the last film that resonated with me was the most was Before Sunrise. Okay. <laughs> and Yeah, Before Sunrise. And um, I won't spoil anything, but like the forest sunrise is a must. Please watch it. That's I would um, say that's my favorite one too. Uh, out of the yeah. out of the three, like it's just so nostalgic and it just provides this like yearning for that type of feeling. I guess. Mm-hmm. Yeah, deliverance. Yeah, it's just like so these two folks who are like in their twenties talking about. It feels like you're this like third person in that. That's like I think that. the director's like way of filming it is just like the entire film I mean I don't want to spoil it either but there's a lot of conversation a lot of dialogue right yes exactly and it's like you're taking a walk with your friend or Mm -hmm. girlfriend or whatever and Mm -hmm. I think it creates like this form of intimacy that's not 
necessarily like like when you watch a film it's like like that was almost uh it was like a marriage of podcast and film together almost mm-hmm. because the conversation yeah. is very interesting too it's not like just all action or whatever mm-hmm. i agree it's just that mature conversation between those two protagonists that made me realize that wow there's so much more to life and i think the intimacy in their communication is what made me more vocal i guess today mm-hmm. now these yeah. are all like great great choices i guess i <laughs> i haven't seen like i watched uh, like obviously the big bollywood movies and stuff when i was younger but yeah I, I think i missed out on a lot of the the quality stuff because like you were mentioning like you know uh as brown kids when you're growing up here oftentimes you disregard your own culture or you disregard like whatever it's not cool i mean it's cool now i guess but when you were growing up it's like it wasn't cool to like really uh be enriched by your own culture or your own roots mm-hmm. um so now we're in a situation where like now as an adult i have the time to like go back and just check out these movies and i'm like wow this is actually a great film like I, I, I enjoy this more now as an adult than I did as a kid. So I've been in the cycle of like re-watching movies now, uh, especially during COVID when I got the time, I just started like watching movies that I watched when I was like way younger. And then, you know, rom-coms, everything. I've just been like running through them. And like it, it really is a completely different experience than when you're like younger because now you have a different perspective on life than you did when you're younger. So mm-hmm, it's, yeah. it's, a, it's a fun experiment to run. Like if there's movies that you haven't seen in five plus years, just watch it now. And then you're going to mm-hmm. be like, what is going on here? <laughs> it's mm-hmm. not how I remember it. Exactly. Yeah. Like you start off with a very innocent, naive perspective, and then you come down to like a mature mindset where it's like, I can't believe I didn't know this exact scene meant something else. Mm-hmm. So it's times like that, that makes it more worthwhile. Exactly. Yeah. Just like understanding uh how far you've come in life and using the movie as like a mirror almost exactly yeah and who doesn't like movies so some people yeah. i met some weird people out yeah there. yeah <laughs> not into movies there's some people that don't even listen to music like it's i don't know i don't know how they live That's their lives <laughs> yeah, people need art in their life i definitely would have would have gone crazy without art like yeah it's just the thing that speaks the most to me and for some people it's like sports i like watching sports i don't know if i like playing them as much <laughs> <laughs> but uh any form of self-expression is often it's welcomed for me you know like i just recognize that and i resonate with it uh at a very like deep level mm-hmm. same here so yeah i also noticed that well recently you started like a a business yes a side gig kind of yeah um so so basically um it's a care package business um what i do is i work with uh local businesses within toronto and we collaborate on um encouraging their products be within our care packages um so in a way um my business is supporting their business and they're also supporting mine um mm-hmm. so how i came up with this idea um i remember in the summer this year i was making like a bunch of care packages for my friends birthdays and i made four so far and my friends were like obviously very happy with how much care i put into making those packages and um the way i went like i guess above and beyond to make sure that it resonated with them and 
one of my friends, he reached out to me and he was like, Turna, why aren't you making this a business? And I was like, what do you mean? I, I enjoy doing this for free. And he's like, no, don't do it for free. You need to make this your business. And then I was like, okay, where do I start then? Because I don't know anything about starting a side gig. And I felt like I didn't have enough like potential or um, the grit or motivate to like start something from scratch and it takes a lot of like energy talent time everything and so I teamed up with that friend of mine who's um, studying computer energy at Ryerson and he's in charge of the consultant part of that business as well as a website and I come as like the head or CEO in the sense and um, I noticed that he told me like you know start off with like um just start somewhere because the thing with me is that I just don't know I just don't know how to start I know like how to tackle situations and Mm -hmm. go with that but like I need that push you know and I feel like you can't always just be working alone you need people around you you need a teamwork you need a support system and that's when I started the idea of okay I don't want to work on this alone I don't want to be putting all my time and energy into like having these other items in, within the package. I want to be able to perhaps have other people within my team. And that's how I started the thought of having vendors, um, different vendors within Toronto. And I'm also in the process of still talking to a few of my other small businesses that I'm working with. And um, basically what we're doing right now, we're at a stage where we're trying to market our care packages um, and also seek out for influencers would be down to promote and yeah it's so far it's a one woman job but it's going well <laughs> oh you're I'm killing really, it you? i'm really burnt yeah. out but it's fine it's like the learning experience of it too like the fact that say you know obviously i i wish this this will succeed and this seems like it will right it's a great idea it also is like almost like a stepping stone towards like your your uh, abilities to even like you know you, you're kind of diverting from like you know you create products for like enjoyment that's art or whatever but now you're also creating like products in the sense of like a business uh service right so mm-hmm. it's really inspiring to see that and i'm sure like like what is like the process of that like you you have to register your business and then you just start or like how does that work oh um just do it whatever nike said <laughs> just do it <laughs> honestly i will be saying that um because where I came from I the way I think is that I have like so many thoughts non-stop thoughts and ideas mm-hmm. and it just like comes to a point where I overthink but I don't know how to like strategize it and like put that into paper and say okay we're gonna start from a and then end at b I just don't know how to do that and that's why I need like people like my friends and my teammates who like tell me okay turn out do this that and that in order for you to achieve from like plan a to plan b and like it's really like you need that motivation you need that uh grit that fuel to like start a business and it takes a lot of energy and mental strength and also a lot of your time so yeah no it's truly you have i mean you know i didn't we didn't really talk much in in high school i guess but (laughs) you've turned out to be an excellent person and thank you i really appreciated this conversation it's great to see people from your hometown succeed and do great things you know it inspires other people and i'm sure this conversation will 
provide a lot of value for people that that listen and i know i've taken a huge break from podcasting but i had a lot of fun coming back into it and just using my brain again and listening um always fascinated by stories yeah same here same here